0: Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Welcome to episode 190 of Lean Blog Audio. This is a post from March 27th, 2017. It's titled, Sad Bloomberg Businessweek Article on Auto Supplier Safety and Thoughts for Healthcare. Now, a few of you out there in uh, my blog community um, sent me this article. You were correct to think I would be interested. It is titled, and it's the cover story from Bloomberg Businessweek, Inside Alabama's Auto Jobs Boom. Cheap wages, little training, crushed limbs. Now, and the subheadline says the South's manufacturing renaissance comes with a heavy price. Now, the cover photo on the magazine, and you can see it. Get a link to the whole article, which I, I highly recommend reading, by going to leanblog.org/audio190. The cover photo is a man, Rico Allen, who lost his arm in a press that plant management where he worked allegedly knew was dangerous. From the article as a summary of the horror stories from auto plants in the southern United States it says quote the files read like Upton Sinclair or even Dickens. Now I remember reading Sinclair's book The Jungle in college and I was appalled that safety could be so abysmal in the meatpacking plants of the day. That book was published in 1906. Then we've heard horror stories about poor safety and bad working t- conditions Uh, from some factories in Asia, or at least some countries there, including China and Bangladesh uh, in recent years. But one would think or hope things would be better in the United States, where you have, at least in theory, OSHA and other regulatory agencies looking out for workers. But I guess that hasn't been the case in the new and mainly non-union factories of the South. The article opens with the story of Regina Elcia, who was killed when she was impaled on a robot that wasn't properly locked out. She worked at a factory run by Ajin, USA, in Cusetta, Alabama. They are a South Korean supplier to Hyundai and Kia. Now, this accident should have never happened. It was totally preventable. I mean, hell, even in my horrible GM plant 22 years ago, they had a proper what we call lockout tagout program. I even had a little lock with my name and photo on it that was supposed to be used to protect me if I had to go inside some piece of equipment. Now, it seems like Agent didn't take proper precautions, didn't train workers, and allowed pressure over productivity numbers to make safety a low priority. In the article, it says, quote, On June 18th, Alcia was working the day shift when a computer flashed stud fault on Robot 23. Bolts often got stuck in that machine, which mounted pillars for side-view mirrors onto dashboard frames. Elcia was at the adjacent workstation when the assembly line stopped. Her team called maintenance to clear the fault, but no one showed up. A video obtained by OSHA shows Elcia and three co-workers waiting impatiently. The team had a quota of 420 dashboard frames per shift, but seldom made more than 350, says Amber Meadows, 23, who worked beside Elcia on the line. She says, quote, we were always trying to make our numbers so we could go home. Everybody was tired, end of quote. Now, they were probably tired over the pressure to hit a number, 420, that didn't seem possible if they seldom made more than 350. In the article, it says, after Alcia's death, agent issued a statement saying all employees were being retrained in safety procedures. Ah, retraining as a countermeasure. Now, hospitals are often guilty of that approach, too, after some patient safety incident. It sounds like they're blaming workers for not being properly trained, which is silly. I never hear management asking why initial training wasn't done or why it was ineffective to begin with. Now, I'm not blaming the auto workers. I'm blaming management for, most likely, creating a high-pressure, make-the-numbers environment, one that I remember uh, vividly from GM and other manufacturers I've worked for. I'd also blame management for not creating a culture of safety, like Paul O'Neill did, a CEO at Alcoa. I'd also blame them for not working with workers to improve the system in ways that could have made it possible to hit production goals. She entered the robot enclosure without ensuring that it was, quote unquote, locked out and powered off, it says in the article. After several minutes, Elcia grabbed a tool, on the video it looks like a screwdriver, and entered the screened-off area around the robot to clear the fault herself. Whatever she did to Robot 23, it surged back to life, crushing Elcia against a steel dashboard frame and impaling her upper body with a pair of welding tips. A co-worker hit the line's emergency shutoff. Elcia was trapped in the machine, hunched over, eyes open, conscious but speechless, end of quote. The story continues where, sadly, nobody knew what to do after the accident occurred. She later died at a hospital. But again, don't blame the worker, blame the company. It says, Agent, according to OSHA, had never given the workers their own safety locks and training on how to use them, as required by federal law. Agent is contesting that finding, end of quote. So the article does mention a Toyota supplier being fined for safety problems, so it's not fair to paint this as just a South Korean business problem. It's disappointing, though, to hear of such problems from any automaker in this day and age. It's been almost 20 years now since I quit GM to go to grad school. It seems that most auto factories had closed the gap in quality and productivity with Toyota, and I would have hoped they would have gotten safer. So does Toyota do better? Well, when you visit the Toyota plant in San Antonio, you see evidence of a focus on safety, or at least what appears to be such a focus. Even a display robot in the visitor center has visual instructions posted about proper lockout tagout procedures as I shared in a blog post. And you can see that picture in the blog post. Again, it's at leanblog.org audio 190. So what about hospitals? Now, I've seen robots in enclosures and hospitals that didn't have such protection processes in place, such as this pharmacy robot that is pictured in the blog post that relied on a sign. That's a weak form of protection compared to a proper lockout tagout process. There's a sign that says, caution, before inserting the return rack and starting the robot, make certain there are no people inside the robot cell. Now, I remember asking, at this uh, pharmacy about a lockout tagout process and i don't remember the pharmacy leader knowing what that was now maybe i should have reported them to osha i mean this was back in uh, this was probably 2007 uh, when i took this picture i also have the photo of a different piece of pharmacy automation and it's warning sign it says warning risk of injury do not reach inside until motion stops now as i've discussed in uh, my keynote presentation titled warning signs and my BeMoreCareful.com website, signs aren't a good substitute for error-proofing. That pharmacy equipment should be impossible to open if it's moving inside, that would be better. It should be impossible to start it when somebody is reaching inside. So factories don't have a monopoly on poor safety practices. Now, nobody was killed or injured in these pharmacy robots when I was around, but that might mean they were lucky. They both seemed like an injury waiting to happen. So how do things like this happen? Well, the Bloomberg article points out many management and culture problems that can lead to safety problems and harm, including pressure to hit unreasonable production targets. It said, quote, the focus of this plant is production at all costs. Employees working long hours and lots of overtime, not receiving proper training. Car makers, quote, squeezing suppliers too hard on price, delivery performance, or financial targets. Maintenance managers, quote, being too busy to write up proper lockout procedures. Ignoring known safety risks and near misses, it said, quote, upper management knew all that, meaning the safety problems. They just looked the other way. Not respecting and listening to employees, as one said, they don't pay you no mind. They just want you to work. Now, are hospitals ever guilty of any of those bad habits or mindsets? Sometimes, and and that's sad, that's sad, too. I guess there's a reason that Toyota, while not perfect, feels the need to talk about respect for people, which includes a focus on safety, not just in their own plants, but for their suppliers. As ThetaCare CEO, Dr. Dean Gruner says, if you can't do something safely, you shouldn't be doing it at all. And you can um, see a blog post I've linked to where he talks about this. Why is it so hard to get factories or hospitals to focus on safety as a primary goal going beyond lip service? I've linked to an article talking about hospitals, patient safety, and the need to really make that a top priority. So I'm curious, what do you think about this article, about safety in factories these days, um, safety in hospitals for, for patients or staff? Um, if you'd like to read more, um, read the Bloomberg Business Week article and comment. Uh, please go to leanblog.org audio one nine zero.